0: You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I am your host, Stephanie O'Day. I am so excited to introduce you to my new friend, Megan Sumrall. And Megan is amazing. And Megan is a business owner, mom, wife, and she knows exactly how hard it is to do all of the things while still maintaining your own sense of self and purpose. She is the host of the Work-Life Harmony podcast and teaches specific strategies to help women, just like you, just like me, get on top of their time, calendar, and goals without getting overwhelmed, overstressed, and overexhausted. Megan is the founder of the TOP Planning System, which we're going to deep dive into during this podcast interview because I'm so intrigued by it. And also, TOP is an acronym, and I love acronyms her courses and planner teaches exactly how to plan your weeks and your days to maximize your productivity without killing yourself in the process which i think we're all about here on
1: the slow living podcast so megan thank you thank you so much for having me i i, I know when we met we just felt like yes we were so aligned on on just how important it is for women to um not get lost in the hustle and and really step back from the yeah.
0: And it's tricky because how can you wrap your brain <laughs> around slowing down and, and not getting stuck in hustle culture when there is literally too much to do and not enough time to do it? So what, wh- how do you do this? So first of all, explain your T.O.P. acronym.
1: Okay. So T.O.P. stands for Time Management, Organization and productivity. Um, but I always like to lean into my definition of productivity, which is not about getting more done than your neighbor. Um, the way I define productivity is getting the most important things done in a stress free way. Um, and, you know, kind of sneak peek a little bit, it might mean that we have to say no to some things and that we. We aren't doing everything and being everything for everybody all the time. Absolutely. So that's, that's – you
0: and I are speaking the same language because the first step in living a slow life is to declutter. And it can be physical things. That makes you feel great and happy to have an organized closet. But you do have to learn how to say no. And, and how do you do that? How, how can you say no, when there's just so much to do.
1: Yeah, I think we're really—I think a really great analogy to kind of get get people understanding what I'm what I'm after here uh, is simply think about what if I were to give you a whole list of things that you needed to go buy at the grocery store, and then I handed you a twenty dollar bill
0: mm.
1: and sent you off, and you went through you put everything in your cart and you got to the register and the woman at the register says, okay, it's going to be $50, but all you're doing is holding a $20 bill. Mm -hmm. Is she just going to let you walk out of the store and go, Oh, that's fine. Take those $30 of groceries for free. Of course not. You're going to have to make choices about what goes back because you only have a $20 bill. Now it's really easy to see that in that example, because it's so physical and so tangible. But when it comes to our time, where I really like to start people is understanding and giving them the tools to get realistic about what is their budget when it comes to time. With money, it's easy. We're holding a $20 bill. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to time, things get a little tricky. Oh, man, I could probably just do that quicker if I do these two things at once, right? So we're always looking for ways to just get more done instead of stopping and saying, hang on. Maybe the right place to start is to say, I need to get realistic about what is my true available time, marry it with, here's all the things that I either want to, need to, or have to get done. And now, now I need to start making some very intentional choices about what's realistic here and what I can say yes to and what I need, need to say no to.
0: I I like that. I like everything you said. And so I can envision saying no to the Flaming Hot Cheetos, even though you really do want Flaming Hot Cheetos. But then I can also envision the mom home with two kids in diapers and juggling work calls and thinking that she's behind in writing thank you notes and needs to update the baby book or she's failing. So what is your advice to that one who's who's just – I, I mean, I, I can see her and I just want to wrap my arms around her and say, it's okay. If you don't get the baby book done until they're in college, it's okay.
1: True story. My daughter's 12 and a half. I still haven't finished her one-year baby book. <laughs> and this is like something I love. Like I was all in scrapbooker before I became a mom. Um, so, so, the- so how do you talk to yourself with that? Do you have a nagging voice that says, oh, Megan, come on. I used to. Now what I have is a voice that will gently, and I see it, it's on my, what I call my backlog or my parking lot or my, I'll get to it when I get to it list. Um, but I also see the list of all the other things that are vying for and competing for my time right now and recognizing, you know what, no one's going to die or have, you know, there, there are no irre- irreplaceable or irreversible negative consequences by saying, you know what, maybe I'll get around to that when she's 18. That's all right, I'm, I'm cool with that because I've made an intentional choice about what is actually more important. But when you're in the thick of it, when you are the mom you were just talking about, that thank you notes are piling up, the, the kids are in diapers, you're trying to figure out what to do for dinner, all of that, if you don't have the foundational systems in place that help you plan and manage your time, you are always, subtly living in a true state of overwhelm, or another way to think about it, is in that fight or flight mentality. When you are constantly feeling stressed out about all that you are juggling, your brain, the real brain science here, is that it goes into that fight or flight mode. And when we're in that mode, the fact is, and this is science, it's not a fault of who you are as a woman, the fact is we make irrational choices our ability to make good thoughtful smart decisions goes out the window and we are all men women everybody alike so the real solution here the long-term solution is saying what can i do to get myself out of that constant state of feeling that way so that when all of a sudden it's one of those days I can laugh and go, I'm okay with the fact that the baby book's not done. I'm not gonna be in fight or flight because I have the underlying systems in place that allow me to always see, here's my time budget, here's all the things that would like a piece of it, and I need to be able to say, oh, nope, today, it's just gonna be these three things, and I'm cool with that, and I'm not gonna be upset about it.
0: So you are speaking now as the voice of wisdom because you, you've been there, done that, um, have you shifted your definition of what a quote unquote good mom is throughout the years? I tears up yeah, too. Yeah, no, My no, no I mean I it's true. That. So, so we have very, very similar stories. Megan and I are going to be fast and furious friends, um, uh, because my youngest is 13 and love her to death, but she doesn't have a one-year baby book. Um, and, and, it's, and it's fine because I know I'm a good mom, but I, I work in an elementary school. And so I see these new moms whose oldest is like a TKR, so brand new five-year-old. And they've got a three-year-old and they've got one in the Bjorn and they're struggling. And yet they're still volunteering for every single PTA bake sale and they're still volunteering to reshelve all of the books in the library and really I want them to just go home and put on bravo and fold laundry slowly
1: <laughs> yeah i think you know when i when i found out i was going to be a mom and it was a um it was not an easy journey for us so i mean the joy was just oh my goodness i was so excited yeah. Uh, and I had all these visions of what motherhood was going to look like for me. Um, none of them are what it is today. It's right? hard. It's it really, really,
0: really, really hard. You um I like that analogy of of your heart is walking around outside your body, and you're just like watching your heart. And if you had a chance, I, I joke with my kids, if I had my way, I would shove you all back inside. So then I know where you are.
1: I think where my definition, like probably stepping into motherhood, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I was, I was going to be that mom that did it all. I was going to be the make the organic baby food, grow the stuff. Every trip to the grocery store was going to be a learning experience where she'll have the list and we're learning how to count and I had this, I was going to do all of it. Um, Now, my definition of being a good mom has shifted to, I am going to prioritize my mental health so that I can be the mom I desire to be, which that mom means one that is actually enjoying the journey. I, so I, oh
0: gosh, Megan, I I've left agree. I've left
1: so much behind. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't do hardly any of the things I thought or, or that I tried to do initially as a new mom, and now I know that prioritizing thirty minutes of something for me allows me to show up for the next three hours a hundred percent better than. Always being in service to others, which is kind of what I feel like motherhood has become. It's your job is to be in service to others all day long,
0: and and there's no um, there's no clocking out. Um, uh, so so it's interesting because while you're you're speaking, I have all of these different flashbacks, and I know that um, when you're spinning your wheels and you're not serving your own needs first. Um, you have talked about the, how your brain chemistry goes a little haywire and you start making irrational decisions. But also, if you don't take the time to slow yourself down and really plan your own mental health needs and your physical needs, your body will do it for you. And, and I know you and I have talked in the past about adrenal fatigue. Um, and, and I had a bout with that and you had a bout with that. And and recently, the media is kind of making fun of um, the the, the middle aged mom or, or the older woman, and and they call them Karens. And and first of all, I don't like that term because every Karen I've ever met in real life, I I, I know absolutely delightful. My sister in law is Karen, and I love her to death, and she is an amazing mom and, and a oh my gosh, I just I hate that name for her. But really, what it is. It's someone snapping because they've done so much for so many people for so long, and they literally are at their breaking point, and they just want probably proper service at a restaurant or something. some of them I'm sure are, are way out of line, and that's what goes viral but i I can see this happening. I can see myself when I 'm at the breaking point, snapping at my kids or my husband in a way that I absolutely. And what you said of taking the time to prioritize your self-needs and, and fill that cup up so then you can give to others. Yeah, so and I think it's true. important
1: to talk about, you know, in this conversation, the this whole self-care movement. Because when I'm talking about prioritizing yourself, I'm not talking about what social media is showing as hashtag self care.
0: No, you're not going to get your basic, nails done every no, <laughs> every <basic> other day. <laughs>
1: human hygiene and nutrition is not what I'm talking about. Those are basic skills of survival. Showering alone does not count as taking care of yourself. If those were things you did before motherhood for basic human hygiene and nutrition, Sorry, we're not gonna now package it up and go, oh, well then this is how you fill your cup up. No, that that needs to become a given. What I'm talking about are, and for me, my breaking point was when my daughter was about two-ish and I had her at the park one day, I was pushing her on the swings and the mom next to me, I I live in the South, so everyone chats around down here. And I was honestly just kinda like, I just wanna be quiet, it had been a long work week. And the conversation turns to a point where she very innocently said to me, so what do you do for fun? Mm. And I did not have an answer and it rocked me to my core because I used to do all sorts of things. So when I'm talking about taking care of yourself and prioritizing yourself, I'm talking about those things, the things that if someone says, what do you do for you for fun, not in service to others, that you actually have an answer. Taking a bath should not be what I do for fun. That's just, that's how I care for myself, right? Um, So that's, that I feel is really missing for so many women today. And we're so desperate for it that sadly we're calling a bubble bath or a pedicure how we are taking care of ourselves that's just caring for your physical body that's not caring for your soul your heart
0: interesting okay so i'm glad to have this conversation because i because i don't like to spend money um manicures and pedicures have never really felt like self care <laughs> to me so i'm glad i do like baths and i and i do like unwinding i like yoga but i think what's interesting is when i think of what i'm doing all for myself it's things that i lose track of time and it's just so insanely enjoyable to me that things i things you would do it usually put and ever and ever.
1: yeah and that's the things you would usually go well i'll do it only if i have time right mm-hmm. those are the things we need to shift the story and say no i'm prioritizing time for that and the subtle difference like i'm i'm a huge bubble bath lover as well Before children, it wasn't an event for me to go take a bubble bath on a Tuesday. It was You didn't need to announce it. (laughs) Yes, and schedule it and coordinate family. That's what I'm talking about. Like if you did those things before and they were normal, they should be normal now. I don't need to rearrange 12 people's schedules so I can go take a bubble bath on a Tuesday night. Come on, that's crazy. But... Like for me, one of the things I'm, I started doing that's been on my list is something I've always wanted to learn how to do is I just started taking cello lessons. Oh, yeah. That's something for me. 100% for fun, for all of that. And so it's, it's that. What is that for you, right? That maybe you used to do or you've always wanted to do, but now you feel like I can't because there's no time.
0: That's what. that's So on... On a daily basis, are you celloing? Yes. Or- Every
1: day I practice. Every day. And I have a lesson once a week. Okay. And it's like the highlight of, like, I love it. I, like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I want to go play. I want to go practice. And, you know, guys, I'm talking like twinkle, twinkle, little star here. I'm brand wow. spanking new. But it, it lights my fire. I love it. That's really
0: cool. So I know you talk an awful lot about routine systems. So if we go back to that kind of frantically in firefighter mode mom who's got a work deadline and, and gosh, we're in the middle of this nonstop cold and flu season. It's just cyclical over and over and over again. How does she kind of hit the pause or the reset
1: Great question. So everything that I teach around, um, like my, my entire time management system, um, where I start everybody, is first learning a process. Uh, we start with a basic process, it's five steps, then we work our way up to an advanced 10-step process for how we create our plan for the week. Now notice I said week and not day. Here is what the vast majority of people do, and unfortunately, it's what a lot of the productivity community is teaching, is they teach you to, tell me if this sounds familiar, wake up, do your brain dump, right? Write down everything that you can think of that needs to get done for the day, circle your top three, and then magically, we're just supposed to focus on the top three, and then once those are done, we can take care of everything else. And this is like literally the worst advice ever.
0: It, it's for so this.
1: stressful. It, it so I'm is. I'm
0: an early riser. Me I too. Like, and I do like journaling, um, but I don't do it until I've had coffee. <laughs> and I've and I've done some yoga, and and I love myself. Like I, I just it sounds so silly, but I mean I literally walk around the dark house, and we've got. Boards and so I don't want to wake up showing the dog. So I'm, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around in my slippers and my coffee and I'm just so happy to be alone. <laughs>
1: yeah, right? Without mom, mom, mom. Yeah. Um, but this, this idea of this daily wake up, start a task list, and then subconsciously. Whether you realize it or not you've set a goal for yourself to say i've got to check all this off before i go to bed now where in there is there an assessment of what your actual available time is for the day where in there are we acknowledging that maybe today isn't one of those days where you're focusing on one of your goals maybe it's a day where there are nine things that truly are priorities that have to get done so how the heck are you supposed to pick top three and Mm -hmm what happens if 10 minutes later your kid wakes up and they've got a fever and now they aren't going to school, right? So this, this daily way, I, I call it just in time living, it keeps you in that perpetual state of fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. So instead, I, I teach people, we're gonna throw that away and we are going to learn how to create a weekly plan where this gives us the ability to look at, okay, what are all of the things that I believe I need to fit into this week? And then how we layer it with one of the things I teach, which I don't see anyone else doing in in planning and managing your time, is layering it with the realities of your life. Um, And I like to call this your unavailable time, where you are awake, you are in motion, but those things on your list are not getting done. So perfect example for me um, from, right now we're, we're doing a hybrid homeschool with my daughter. So from 7 a.m. to 8.30 every morning, I am in motion. A lot of things are happening. Waking up, making breakfast, getting snacks ready, the lunch, the dog, taking a shower, all of that. Nothing on my traditional list is getting done during that window. I'm not being, quote, productive, right? But most of like that doesn't usually show up in someone's calendar either. So when they look at their day, they're like, oh, I've got all this time. Well, when you start layering in your realities of when you're very, quote, busy, you're busy being busy, but your things on your list aren't getting done, suddenly what, what people start to realize is traditional ways of planning and managing their time, where they have a calendar over here that has appointments and then a huge list over here They look at their calendar and they're like, oh my God, I've got like eight hours. Well, then when you layer reality on it, they come back, they're like, oh my gosh, I only have three. And so, and this can't be done on a daily basis because it doesn't accommodate change well. So this is why we create this weekly planning structure where we're layering our realities with our commitments, with the list of all the things that we want to get done And we're also layering in what I call planning for uncertainty, where I know right now, if something were to happen, where what I'm planning on doing for, you know, when we get off this call for the next two hours, if you know, if my daughter like, if the school were to call or the dog gets sick or whatever, I have the systems in place to say it's okay. I know how to pivot this. And move it somewhere else, so that then I don't go into panic mode. That the anxiety rises. You know, then we start making poor decisions, and then we start trying to do twelve things at once. Um, But it does take more of that weekly planning. You cannot accommodate change at the rate it's coming at you if you're going from this day-to-day just-in-time style of living. The
0: the firefighter mode. When I um. When my oldest was a baby, I was working full time and she came to work with me and I listened to audio cassettes on tape while um while it was nap time because I was running preschool centers. And it was um Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And I remember listening to it and just feeling so overwhelmed because he did exactly what you're talking about and um this is funny. It was kind of the earliest days of the internet. And so I did some Googling and realized that he was the founder of the Franklin Covey planning company. So then I emailed them and I'm like, well, this doesn't work for moms. And we actually went back and forth for a few times until um, they essentially told me to get lost and sent me a 15% off coupon.
1: <laughs> okay. I love this yeah. because. I was a Franklin Covey system person. Well, you
0: were a former techie guy for
1: over twenty years, and when I became a mom, it stopped working for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, absolutely. It was really interesting because I. um, So the the way I got my first literary agent was pitching the totally together planner. And and that's still out there, so it's totally together planner shortcuts for an organized life or simple I don't know, something like that. It does not sell well at all. <laughs> I really I really need to to repackage it and, and, and brand it in a better way. But the idea was I wanted someone to tell me what to do. <laughs> like like what do adults do? <laughs> and, and and I and just because I was too tired to do any thinking. And, and this program and this system was so overly complicated to me. And I, I'm like, I went to college, I should figure this out.
1: No, way. and it's really, it works great inside of a traditional nine to five, like corporate job where, and and also keep in mind when that system was created, so I'm, I'm going to be 50 this year. Um, so when I was first using this, my first job, actually my second job out of college, I was issued a pager because I was in charge of a piece of uh, a software system that if it went down, I would get paged. Now, if I mean like, like the yeah. little pager, no, no, no. right? So, and if it so went off and, we're and the I wasn't same
0: generation, I yeah. Totally and loved if I wasn't, pagers, we home. would write hello in it. Also, we would write boobs. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So if I wasn't at home, I had to go find a payphone and dig out a quarter and call in, right? And the reason I bring this up is those systems were being developed and rolled out back in a day when work and home were completely siloed parts of your life. When you left work, there was no computer in my house, right? Um, and when I was at work, kids couldn't be texting me. I mean, you know, there's everything was so separate and even at work because of the state of technology back then in the you know 90s you weren't being pulled in eight thousand different directions quite as much either and so those systems work very well when you can do what what I, i call it context switching when you have very little context switching in your life you come in you sit down as employee and you get to be employee for eight hours and then you take that hat off and now you go home and you get to be home Well, now fast forward to the life that we're in, right? Where we've all got computers that are more powerful than the first computer systems I worked on in our pockets. We're accessible 24 seven. Most of us are are doing some form of part working from home versus office hybrid full-time home or whatever when we don't have clearly defined silos and calendars that support that. So you have to have a planning system that acknowledges all of that and says, now here's how we're going to make this work. And that's why I believe, you know, you found this isn't working for me <laughs> with the job that you had and why when suddenly I was now juggling a career in motherhood and building a business, I'm like, hang on, this isn't working. Like, think what I've been doing for 20 years is no longer working.
0: Yeah. I, I like everything you said. and I love, um, so that, that form of context switching is, is definitely huge in the psych world. And they try and tell you not to multitask or not to have two competing thoughts at one time. And for the longest time, I beat myself up in my brain because I thought I really should only be doing one thing at a time. And yes, if you're performing brain surgery pay attention. But, but in, in real life, I'm driving to the supermarket. I'm totally thinking of different things. I'm changing a diaper. I'm thinking of different things. So, so yes, I love the idea of being present and focused. Um, but also in real life and especially in today's real life, cut yourself some grace And, and it is, it is okay to feel like you are doing more than one thing. And, and the trick is, is if you're doing it in a way where you can tell your cortisol isn't rising, you're not feeling frantic. But if I'm gardening and listening to a podcast and watching a kid ride a bike,
1: that is totally okay. Well, and that's where I like to use the difference of multitasking versus context switching. I feel like there are times where multitasking is a fantastic thing, and we should lean into it to maximize efficiencies, but I can multitask where my brain is really only focused 99%, like you talked about. I I do a lot of my personal development and research while I'm running, walking the dog, or doing house chores because I can. my brain's not going, Megan, you're running, right foot, left foot, right? It's just, it's <laughs> happening, and my brain is focused on what I'm listening to. Now, I do... Put a lot of effort in helping people with their weekly plans minimize context switching, mm-hmm. where you might be holding a fussy baby while cooking dinner, while trying to help the older kid with homework, while also trying to return a work email. We got to stop that. This is that. where I want to
0: tell you: you <laughs> should have put the crocodile.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. So we need to get planning strategies in place that minimize the amount of times we are we don't quite feel like a pinball in a pinball machine all day. It's like I'm mom, I'm employee, I'm wife, I'm mom, I'm back. You know, we want to minimize that, but absolutely we're going to put routines in place that leverage the good type of multitasking to just get some operational efficiencies going.
0: Yeah. And I and I like that and and back to your running analogy, I know when you do your your habit planning and your building of your systems, you're doing it in a way that your body kind of takes over and you have muscle memory. So so yes, the, the first time you go for a run, you're probably concentrating on the fact that you are running. But if you keep doing it over and over again, your body does take over and then you can start listening to the audio book on tape that you've been putting off and things like that. Yeah. Megan, I am just so thankful <laughs> that our paths have crossed and, and um there's a lot sometimes to be said about social media and how it um I don't know, sort of robs you of time. But then every once in a while, I get a diamond like you who come across my inbox. And and I'm just so thankful for you. And thank you for sharing so much time and such amazing advice. Where can people find you?
1: So I am very easy to find. I am just Megan Sumrall everywhere, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I would say I have a really great... Um, free training out there that if anyone is listening and is still kind of like, I've tried these time management things before and you want to get a little flavor of my approach to it, um, you can just go to theworklifeharmony.com. Or even just go to my website and you can sign up and take the, it's a video training. You can watch it at your own pace. Um, and if you're listening to this, obviously you're probably a podcast listener. Uh, so feel free to come join me on my podcast where I've had Stephanie as a guest as well. And that's also called Work Life Harmony on all the podcast players. Um, I, I really try and jump in. And if, I, if it's a week where I'm solo, I keep it to about 10 minutes with a really quick time management strategy for you that you can digest quickly and get into action.
0: That is wonderful. I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot, and um, because this was popped up in my head, because I already know that you do believe in work-life harmony and balance. So that whole idea that it's a myth, we're just not even gonna dive into that right now. But I I was recently chatting with someone who told me that she thought the American dream was dead, and that. It it felt like daggers in my heart because I'm raising children and I don't want them to think that. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: And again, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I apologize. No, when I hear that, my thought is that is someone that is in a state of perpetual overwhelm and doesn't see a way out. Um, and d- does it happen overnight? No, it took me several years to build and develop the framework that I use now. But I believe it is 100% alive, but it requires us as and I'm talking about women in particular moms in particular, it might require us to reframe our definition of what the quote perfect mom is. So I run a very successful um, business I as a sole owner of it. um, I work on average four and a half hours to five hours a day, four days a week. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I take most of the summer off with my daughter. My afternoons are spent being in full mom mode. I just started cello lessons at the mm-hmm. <laughs> age of almost fifty. Um so I feel like I am living the the American dream. It took I, I work hard, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm not hustling and there's a difference. Definitely.
0: When you work hard and you're not hustling, you feel gratified. you feel triumphant. you feel fulfilled. And those are the feelings.
1: And that. I sleep nine hours a night.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I love sleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like my most, fa- I wish yeah. I could be awake to see myself enjoying how much I like sleep. Oh,
0: I've, absolutely. If your sleep is not in check, um, definitely look into that. And I have recorded a podcast earlier on on sleep it is a really big deal and it took me a while to um to get a system and a routine in place to to meet my own self needs and, and again just like Megan was saying um sleep proper nutrition taking care of your body is not self care that is just what humans do the same way I walk Sheldon and I feed Sheldon if I didn't I would be a neglectful pet owner so do not neglect yourself. Okay, we are going way off tangent, and I'm sorry, Megan. <laughs> no, I can talk to you, all day, you all day long. I think you're great. Um, if you're having a 50th party, sign me up. I want to come. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, slow down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.